Today's podcast is brought to you by RetouchUp.com. RetouchUp wants to be your photo editing partner. They help you streamline your workflow to keep you doing what you do best, shooting, selling, or just enjoying life. Be sure and listen later in the show for how you can receive a special discount code from RetouchUp.com. You're listening to the Photobomb Podcast with the world's greatest photographers, Boo Ray and Gary. Welcome to the Photobomb Podcast. My name is Boo Ray Perry, and joining me as always is Gary Hughes. Hey, man. Are, uh, are you like me? Are you one of those no. guys? <laughs> no, I am not. Not at all like you. Let's just, let's just get that right out there. It doesn't matter what you're going to say next. I am not at all like you. You, you, don't, you, you don't have to be that aggressive about it. <laughs> it was a little aggressive, wasn't it? There was a little, a little yeah, bit, there's yeah, a little, a little like, bit much. Yeah. you put a little stank on it. Yeah, it yeah like, there was. It was a little, yeah, I apologize. Wow. I apologize for that. Yeah. Well. That's valid. That's valid, and that's my bad. Yeah, it is. It is. But I forgive you, and I'll move okay. on. All right. Now, now I know the answer to this question. Are you one of those guys like me where people are constantly telling you in regard to your partner, wife, how lucky you are? Oh, yeah. Yeah, people tell me oh, yeah. all the time. It would be like, imagine like if you're seven feet tall, right? How frustrating that must be that the first thing pretty much everybody says to you is, man, you're really tall. Or like if you had a, an accent from a different country, like if you had a British accent in America, the first thing everybody says to you is, Oh, that's an interesting accent you have. You'd be like, you just know how every conversation is going to start. Yes. I know that pretty much every person that meets my wife is going to be like, imply that I'm really batting above my average. Yes. You yes. I mean, like the other thing I get is every time I see somebody when we're out of the thing, every time I run into anyone, their first question is, where's Bobby? They, 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 yeah. where's, where's Bobby? I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to your lovely wife. That's what I would like to talk So here's what I'm getting at. I know that I'm a lucky man to have found just a, the perfect partner for me. But do I bring nothing to the table? Do people not, do people ever tell her, boy, honey, you're so lucky that you found that, 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 that guy, Gary, he's great, man. Or is it completely one-sided? I mean, I, I bring something to the table, don't I? Even yes. like I, I got gumption. I'm going to tell you, gumption. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you what you bring to the table. Okay. Tell, I'd right. love to know. Just a few more minutes. Just, Okay. Gumption. Gumption. You bring okay. gumption. That's what I thought. I was thinking gumption. Gumption is what I was thinking too. Yeah, okay. Well, that's not nothing. Gumption's not nothing, Boo-Ray. No, it's not. It's not. Now, to be fair, it's not, you know, it's not moxie. Moxie, moxie even better. I mean, I would prefer chutzpah. Chutzpah. But- well, let's not get crazy, okay? <laughs> Come on. You don't just go from gumption to chutzpah. You know, you know, yeah, you know, first, you got to make moxie. You got to get you gotta walk, moxie first. You got to walk before you can run. You know, you got to walk before yeah, you exactly. can run. Now, let's just concentrate on maybe one day working your way up to moxie before we start dreaming about chutzpah. I'm going to be honest. I'm pretty comfortable in the gumption zone. I don't want people to expect too much from me. I'm pretty comfortable with gumption. You're not reaching for the stars is what you're saying. And maybe that's your problem right there. Maybe you have a <laughs> wife who would be reaching for, 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 the, for the chutzpah. Yeah, maybe. People recognize that, Gary. They see that, you see. It exudes from her persona. And from you, right. nothing but the low-level gumption. Right. Yeah, I guess it would depend on who we were with, like whether you value gumption or chutzpah more. Speaking of which, I'm, for my show notes, just for the episode description later, how do you spell chutzpah? I think it's H-U-T-Z-P-U-H. I'm telling, that's what I'm going with off the top of my head. Okay, oh, okay. I got that written down. And, and, and gumption? G-U-M-P-T-I-O-N. Gumption is pretty easy. Okay. And Moxie. M O X I E. Oh, okay. Definitely not a Y. Okay. Thank no, you. no That's Y great. no Y and Moxie for those of you keeping score at home. Okay. Good good few notes. And uh, I have a I have a set that we're gonna have to talk about the way that one of those words was spelled, i.e. misspelled in our retractions segment uh next week. But probably this yes. week but th- but this yeah. week we do have a retraction to make. We do kind of not even not even our retraction. Last week we had a listener write in. And the uh, called us uh, canon users, uh, purported, supposed, self-proclaimed, 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 self-proclaimed canon users. 
right, self-proclaimed pan user, and that the I I wasn't sure whether it was EOS or EOS or EOS, and he had written in this. Chris had written in to say that it was EOS, like the Greek goddess or something. And uh, then we <laughs> we had somebody comment pretty much immediately after the episode that uh, that's actually not true. And and I've got the answer right here. Although, let's see, here it is. What does EOS mean on Canon digital SLR camera? And this is straight from Canon's website. EOS means electro-optical system. This is straight from the Canon Corporation website. It's This is the, the article I'm reading. Don't believe those romantic or otherwise explanations. There's no material motive meaning the term EOS than the official Canon website statement. So you, don't, so you don't think that it was one of those things where that's what it means, but they also picked that acronym because it meant the other thing. Because, you know, we see that all the time in the politics. No one can just pass HR Bill 571 anymore. It has to be HR Bill 571, the get off your ass and go to work bill. And every single one of those letters stands for, you know, something. That, you know, it has to have an acronym that spells out a word. You know, the CARES Act was a good example. And they, they passed the CARES Act because they just, couldn't just pass, you know, a bill for helping people. It has to have a name. It has to have a catchy name. So is it possible that they, that they use EOS because it could be two things? Look, I I can't discount it because you know this about me. I'm a man of science. You are a man of science. I am a man of science. And gumption. And gumption. I'm a man of science and gumption. And I think at best, although it is possible that it is that that they designed it that way, my 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 scientific mind tells me at best they they had the meeting in like 1981 when they released the electro optical system and first mentioned it in their literature. And then one of the guys in the office who's like a big Dungeons and Dragons fan and history nerd was like, Hey, did you guys know that Eos was the Greek god of, of light as the herald of the god Helios? And they go like, Yeah, okay, that's cool too. I think that's pretty much Electrical yeah. Electrical Optical System. Electro optical system. Electro optical system. If they had thrown a word like say redundant in there and, and call it the, an electric, electrical redundant optical system, then the camera would be called the Eros. Hey. hey. Which is, well, I think you're thinking of Eros. Eros, Eros. Which is, which is with an A. No, Eros, E-R-O-S. I'm thinking about the dirty one, Gary. Thinking about yeah. the god of the dirty stuff, Gary. Okay. And that's oh, Eros, that, are... E-R-O-S. Eros. Okay, so that, it's where that the word was... eroticism comes from. <laughs> that was in our segment that we like to call retraction. Retraction. <laughs> retraction! <laughs> But it would have been great, right, if you were using the Canon Eros. What camera do you use? I use the Eros, baby. Pizza's here. Cameras are pretty sexy. <laughs> you know what else is sexy, Gary? What is sexy, Blu-ray? Hearing aids. And you know why I know? Because you have two of them in right now? I do not have two of them in. Uh, because uh, they do not exist anymore. Because two days ago, Maggie the dog ate. I was going to say the dog. Ate. $5,000 worth of hearing aids. <gasps> yes. Hey, so now you can do the thing that I've been telling you about is to go to Costco and get new ones. Well, I did that research, but actually I decided not to go to Costco. I'm actually, I, I ordered this pair online from an online company, and, uh, and I'm going to give that a shot first. Because the reviews and everything say these are great. Those same hearing aids you would get anyplace else, but they're much cheaper because you get to skip the audiologist. And if you are married to an audiologist, or you happen to be an audiologist, I apologize. But the bottom line is, you're paying for their overhead. You're paying for all of that stuff when you go there. And so the actual hearing aids themselves are quite a bit less expensive than what you are paying when you go to an audiologist. You also get service and you get all that other stuff. So I just thought I'd give it a try. So How I do you ordered get them, them tuned to you? And that, What? How do you get them tuned to your specific type you, you of don't, You do an online hearing test. And I read a review from a person who said they went to Costco and they did the hearing test. And then they did the online hearing test. And it was the same hearing. And it said the same thing. And so so they, then they apply those settings to yes, the hearing they aids tune them, before they, they ship them. You can, you can do the online test or you can send them your hearing test. And then they have an audiologist or whoever it is tune the hearing aids. They send them to you and you can send them back. I mean, there's, that's a downside. You can't just run to your audiologist to have them changed. you got to send them in. Uh, but the price, oh, the price. Tell me. $5,000 was, what I think, total what I paid on my old set. And the new ones are $1,500. Wow. Yeah, and they're, yeah. Re- and they're rechargeable, which the old ones weren't rechargeable. 
Well, so that means no more having to go to batteries plus to get the yeah. the battery that was discontinued in the eighties or something. Actually, there's, the batteries are easy to find for hearing aids. Every drugstore has got them, and and you know you buy them. I buy them in bulk from Amazon, but um, but it's just a pain. Like every two or three days, your hearing aid starts ding 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 ding, and then you got to go. Oh, no matter, no matter what you're doing, excuse me. Now you got to go find the batteries, change them out. But uh, so we'll see. I'm gonna give them a try. That'd be an annoying thing to have to keep with you at all times. It is. I have batteries uh, in my office and batteries in my drop kit and batteries in my camera gear and batteries in my car and because if you don't the, the hearing aids can constantly remind you they play a little song you're talking to someone and your hearing aids are going da, 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 da. they play beethoven's fifth to let you know that they're about to go dead <laughs> you're going deaf you're going deaf <laughs> soon you won't hear you're going deaf you're going deaf you're going deaf you're going deaf yeah yeah hey that's uh you know that that's cool i i guess so we'll see. It's an interesting experiment to see, uh, you know, if these things will be as good. I will have to go, though, to an audiologist if I get custom ear molds made. This is mm. way more information than most people. Now, this is great. The custom ear molds are actually really important if you have profound hearing loss because they keep them from right. feeding back. Yeah. I do not have profound hearing loss, but the first set of hearing aids I had did not have them, and I could never get them to really stay in my ears right, so I got the So I'll probably go do that. But still, $3,500 less... I mean, it's a little more inconvenient. I mean, you know what I'm saying? $500 more, I'd be willing to pay if I knew I was going to get the service and all that kind of stuff that I needed. But $3,500 more just for to make sure that the... Yeah, the, the, the markup on hearing aids is insane. I did the research. I went, my, my dad is, he'll be 80 uh, this next year. And, and when he was, he stayed with us for about a month and I helped him get some stuff sorted out uh, with doctors and whatnot. And he uh we had man i did went the deep dive on the hearing aids and we ended up at costco for ours and they did a fantastic job but oh my god the markup we got the same set of hearing aids and it was that i mean they were, we were getting quoted like three four five six thousand dollars for hearing aids it was it was absolutely nuts and uh but i i really have one question because they've got some fancy did you opt for the for the bluetooth i did not i had bluetooth on my last pair and I never used it because it was wonky. And here's the thing with the Bluetooth. The Bluetooth enables you to hear your phone directly through your hearing aids. But you have to have this little remote that serves as the microphone. Yeah, that's dumb. So you have to carry around now this little remote with you if you want to use the Bluetooth. And, it's, and um, you can just hold the phone up to your ear. I mean, you don't want to carry this thing in your pocket and keep it charged. And so I, I, would, I would get that if I had like a Bluetooth television and I wanted to you know, because then you could just keep it in the living room by the TV and you want to be keyed in that way. Then I might get it. But for phone calls, it's you don't want to carry that stupid thing around. And it doesn't always work and doesn't connect right away or it connects in the middle of the call. And I was just like, mm, it's like an extra 200 bucks for that. And I said no. But I did get, like I said, I did get the rechargeable ones because they had a sale. And it's $400 to get the rechargeable ones. And uh, the sale was uh, upgrade and get free rechargeable hearing aids for free. So you'd have to carry the batteries around, and so, you have to carry the microphone around. But yeah. So now they just recharge. Was it like a USB? Now you have charger? to carry. You have to carry the charger with you, but you take your hearing aids off every night before you go to bed, anyway. So you take them off and you stick them on the charger, and you're done. When you go to bed at night, and you you put on your dressing gown. Yes. And you take my your kerchief hearing aids and out. my cap, my <laughs> kerchief and my cap, like the night before Christmas. That's what you I. You hang what your I sleep hearing in. aids on your little bespoke custom hearing aid doc and you put on your little sleeping cap and you snuggle up in bed pull the covers all the way up yes. to your chinny chin chin i just got this wonderful little picture of yes. you and i just i just want to sit next to you and, and read good night moon <laughs> like what i want to do well that's what it's become now though when you think about it you go to bed it's like okay i gotta take my watch off and put it on its charging dock I take my phone out put it in put it it's on it on its charging dock gotta take my hearing aids off put them on its charging dock and then just take my head off and put that on a charging dock as well. I think that's the next step, <laughs> What I right? need is, is one of those racks that the Borg used in the next generation when you just walk into it and hook <laughs> up to the wall and it charges everything. Like, that's, right. that's what a bed should be. It should just be like a human-shaped indentation in a slab, and you just lay down and it charges all your devices without you having to take anything out of your pocket. What I want is the thing that Tony Stark had in Avengers when he lands on Stark Tower, and as he walks in, the robotic arms just come up and take all of the armor off of him as he's walking. <laughs> That's yeah, what I want. That... I just walk into the bedroom, and these arms just come up and undress me and take all my stuff off and charge it, brush my teeth. Oh, or like George Jetson had, you know, where there's yeah. a conveyor belt, and you just travel through, and you wash and do everything. That would be nice. 
Yeah, I, I want something that I pull in my driveway, get out of my car, and it immediately like takes off my shoes, my dress shirt, my slacks, like, and it puts me in sweatpants and a t-shirt, and then hands me a cocktail, and then just puts me right there on the on the last seat on the couch with the recliner feet in it. I'm good, man. Yeah, I'm ready. Although with um COVID, it has now gotten to the point to where when I am getting ready for relaxation, I take off my all day sweatpants and put on my relaxation at night sweatpants. So basically, that's the that's the big difference that happens. Is there a different <laughs> thread count? For yeah, that? I don't know. Yeah, well, I think the uh, the all day ones are a little dirtier. Maybe you know, there's some food <laughs> or something, and then the relaxing at night ones are a different color. I would imagine that the all day ones have like a built in mesh for the underwear, and then once when you relax at the end of the day, you just go. No, I'm free balling. That's the first thing I do every time I buy a bathing suit is I cut the mesh out. I love the mesh, dude. No, no, the, the mesh, mesh, dude. You can't have the the meshes. No. I, and I was a grown man before some, a friend of mine says, like, oh, dude, I always just cut the mesh out. And I was like, oh, the heavens parted. And I realized, yes, I could just cut that out. There's no reason I, I was can't today years out. old when I realized that you could use scissors to cut the mesh out of a pair of swim trunks. Yeah, I cut. That's the first thing I do when I get them home is just cut no, the mesh man, right out. I love the mesh. I need the mesh. I rely on the mesh. It supports you while breathing at the same time. What do you have against the mesh? How much support do you need? A decent amount. Well, well. <laughs> Kudos to you, Mr. Gumption, because us normal mortals don't need nearly as much support. Look, as it's you hot out there. Do. It's hot out there. I just don't want my junk stickage to my leg. Okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> not as big a problem for me uh, with the leg stickage, but all right. Okay, all right, okay. Good to know. <laughs> Especially if the water's cold, Gare. Yeah, I, I hear you. Look, you know, I'm not saying I'm gifted or anything. I'm just saying I like to be comfortable. I feel like you are. Yeah, I no, like, no, I feel like there's a humble brag. And that's not what I'm implying. It's either that my junk is very large or my thighs are very fat. <laughs> and I think it's All probably right. the second one. <laughs> so, yeah. So, new hearing aids. Uh, new hearing aids on the way. Luckily for me, not having them isn't, you know, a death net. I have a hearing loss, but it's not a profound hearing loss. Case in point, I'm doing this podcast and still have my headphones set where they normally are. And yet I can understand everything that you are saying. So, tell me more about what you had for dinner last night. I pork tacos. No, that's, that's not what we were talking about. Boy, that joke went right past you, Gare. <laughs> that joke, that joke flew past you with supersonic speed. It did. I was just, I was, you know, sometimes when you're doing the podcast, I'm listening to you and getting ready to with something in the chamber to respond to you. Yes. And sometimes I forget we're doing a podcast and I'm just listening to you talk. Yeah. So you see, you know, it's like acting, Gary. You're supposed to listen to your I scene do. part. I, I'm not as good at this as you are. And nobody would say nobody. Nobody would disagree with that. Oh, hey, I have a great uh, recommendation, by the way. Okay. And this is one of those, as I frequently do, where I'm going to recommend something and I don't remember the name of it. But it's I, on, I've got you. It's on Netflix, and it's a documentary, and it's two people's names, like Ben and Maggie, A Love Story, or something like that. It's a documentary, and it is about, it's so sweet. It is about these two people, this couple, that they, um, they met in Miami after the war, he moved to Los Angeles. She followed him there. She was a, an orphan, an honest-to-God orphan, raised in orphanages. They moved to Los Angeles. He was an artist. He got a job working in the studio system, and she got a job as a film researcher. And he went on to become the guy who did the storyboards for, like, hundreds of films. He did the t everything from the Ten Commandments to Spaceballs. This guy did the storyboards. And she became a researcher with a big researching library. And if you don't know much about film and you don't know really what storyboard people and researchers do, it's a fascinating look into this side of Hollywood and how much of a movie is really designed by these people that you don't even hear about. They, that they never appear on stage and receive Oscars. You look at his storyboards like uh, a perfect example. They give him the script and they go read this script and then work out storyboards. And then he works out every shot of the movie. And then the director of photographer of photography takes those storyboards and frames his shots based off of the storyboards. He read the script to the graduate and said, hey, this would be an interesting shot. What if Anne Bancroft's leg formed a triangle and you shot through the leg to Dustin Hoffman standing? And that shot became one of the most iconic shots in Hollywood history as Dustin Hoffman Standing in the crook of her leg, Mrs. Robinson. I, yeah, I've seen it done for engagement sessions, even yeah, still in right. 2020. Yeah. That was him. That was not the director. That was not the director of photographer. 
That was the storyboard artist. But what was also really fascinating was uh, Danny DeVito used him on a bunch of movies, including Throw Mama from the Train. And Danny talked about, this is circling back to photography, Danny talked about, he said, like, we've got a set for the house, and it's a very small set, and we're cramped. So everything we shoot in there has to be shot with a 23-millimeter lens. So when he's drawing the storyboards, he has to realize that everything he draws has to be able to fit into a 23-millimeter frame. Wow. So, not only, so, he's, so he can't just draw any shot he can imagine. He has to be like, okay, now what would the next shot be? But it has to be shot with a 23-millimeter. And he has to keep in mind what that looks like in terms of uh, background compression and stuff like that. And man, in the movie, when they show all the stuff, they show, they, they show like, you know, Charlton Heston standing with the staff making the C's part in the Ten Commandments. And then they show his storyboard. And it's exactly what he drew all the way down to the way he's holding the staff. Harold and Lillian, a Hollywood. Harold, thank you. Harold and Lillian. And, 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 and the work that she did on research, when they would come to her and say, we're making, uh, what was the movie? That they were, I don't know, we're making uh, this movie, blah, 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 set in the Depression. So we need you to research breadlines, a ticker tape machine, uh, architecture in 1940 uh, in New York City. Because they have to build all these sets. You know, we're making Fiddler on the Roof, and there's a scene where the girls are wearing their underwear. So we need to know what Jewish girls in Russia wore for underwear in 1902. And she oh, has, that's easy. Yeah, she has to go find that out, you know. And uh, so in addition to it being this wonderful story... Of, of back behind the scenes in Hollywood, it's also a wonderful love story about these two people and their long career and their friendship and all the people who they touched and the people who they mentored and they brought along. So it was really nice to see a, a, a documentary dedicated to, to people who aren't already famous. What's interesting about Russian girls' underwear, Jewish Russian girls' <laughs> underwear in the 1940s, was that they actually wore swimming suit bottoms with the mesh built in. Is that, is that a fact? Yeah, it is. Is that, is that a fact? Oh, that's it, fascinating. It's a fact that I just made up. <laughs> but here was, my, here was my favorite quote from the whole thing. A guy was talking about how they mentored him and they helped him along. And he said, you know, you don't see that a lot in Hollywood because we have a saying in Hollywood that in Hollywood, your best friend is the one who stabs you in the front. Yeah, yeah. I like that. <laughs> I thought that's that's. And, and also in politics, everyone stabs you in your back. Your best friend's the one who stabs you in the front. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought, yeah, that's a depressing and horrible thought. But it's also a great thing, a great anecdote for, uh, for the fact that everybody screws you over in Hollywood. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, I've never done it. I'm not in Hollywood. But, you know, sure, that was reasonable. I like, that. I like to think that is more of your friends tell you like it is. You know? Oh, one more thing. Hmm. These two people were so beloved. That when she eventually moved her library to DreamWorks SKG, they were so beloved there by everyone at DreamWorks that when they made the first Shrek movie, the king and the queen, Princess yeah. Fiona's parents, it's them. Oh, is it really? That's John Cleese and uh, Helen Mirren, I think, are the voices. Uh, Julie yeah. Andrews. Yes, Julie they Andrews did the, they and, did the uh, voices, but the, actual, but the actual drawings are based on those two people. Do you want to know sweet? how I... I think that's really lovely. Actually, it's a great yeah. little lovely story. So go check it out. It's on Netflix. Did you uh, wonder how I knew the voice actors right off the top of my head that fast? How could I have predicted that? Well, that's the sort of thing that I just keep dialed into my memory at all times, instead of people's names and important occasions. But I don't know. Why, I don't know why you would. Because we actually had some work done on our house this week. We had the floors redone in the living room and the bathroom and the uh, new molding put in and stuff. And so we rented a little house. I talked about this last week. And we just stayed away for a couple of days. And this was interesting. We didn't bring an Apple TV or a Chromecast or anything. And the house had like basic cable and a Blu-ray player. <laughs> and it didn't. And a not smart TV. A stupid TV. So basically... We had this interesting situation with my kids where they kept asking to watch TV shows that they're using, used to having on demand, and we couldn't give them what they wanted. And I right. thought, my kids have no idea what appointment viewing is. And so it, at this house, in the bin underneath the Blu-ray player, were uh, about six movies, and uh, three of them were Shrek. <laughs> so, so it was a Shrek weekend. And Over the course of, of, of the four days, uh, we watched Shrek 2 and 3, uh, about 
three or four times each. The kids just loved it. They'd never seen Shrek before, and they ate it up. That's why I had that uh, in the chamber, top of my head. So needless to say, my kids will probably never know the pain of having to wait to watch anything that they want. That's the world that they're growing up in, is that their entertainment will be on demand all the time. Yes. Or they're not going to be interested in it. I just saw John Lithgow, by the way. Uh, Perry Mason, the new series on HBO. John I'm Lesko. dying to see it. John actually. It starts off a little slow, but then it, it catches up on you. But John Lesko, one of those actors who it doesn't matter what you're watching. If he's in it, he's great. Right. John Lithgow. John Lithgow. It's actually pronounced Lithgow. John, John Lithgow. Okay. Because yeah. the, the star is uh, Matthew Reese, who's in The Americans, which right. I love. Right. right. John Lithgow. But he, you know, anything he's in is just, he's always fantastic. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. And um, so I always enjoy it. Always enjoy watching. Also, he's an accomplished painter. Also, he was the voice of Lord Farquaad in That's Shrek. Right. That's right. <laughs> Man, we are just all over this Shrek business right now. It's the... yeah. So yeah. So he was Lord Farquaad. He was he was going to marry Fiona. He wasn't. Yes. He wasn't the father. He wasn't Fiona's father. No, that was John Cleese. Oh, John Cleese. Oh, I'm sorry. When you said John Cleese, for some reason, I was thinking John Lewis because I knew he because I knew he was in Shrek, and so that's why I was thinking. Clearly, the universe is making us talk about. This. Yeah, and uh, because of our experience. Okay. All right, is it time? Hey, before we get to the the news time, don't we have a little listener email that we? Want? Oh, we did have we did have a listener email. I'm glad that you brought that up. Uh, Stefano Semenzi. I'm going to say Semenzi is the way he pronounces his last name. Ciao, Stefano. Stefano Semenzi. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. Okay, so Stefano wrote in and he said, "Hey, let's say I shoot jazz bands in pretty dark nightclubs." Now, let me just go out on a limb and say he probably does shoot jazz bands in pretty dark nightclubs. I don't understand why, why you start off with the whole idea that we're going to pretend that I do this thing that I clearly do. Stefano, is this friend really you? I'm just saying. Like when you're talking to a girl, you're hitting a girl up in the bar and you're going, let's just say I wanted to have sex with you. <laughs> I, I think she knows you do want to have sex with you. Let's not say that. Yeah, let's, let's not say that yeah. at all. But I'm just saying, no, you're not fooling anybody with your little hype, you know, your little uh, hypothetical. Thank you. Hey, I'm here for you. You're not fooling anyway. Anyway, he uses a Nikon D800 paired with 2470 and 7200, that 2.8. He needs to shoot at a high uh, ISO and a high shutter speed in order to get the pictures that he needs. He needs low noise because he has to print to 36 by 24. He's looking into mirrorless cameras as a solution to the weight problem because he's not a young man anymore. But he says, I'd love to listen to your podcast discussing how the two of you would tackle my issues. Regards from sunny Italy. Oh, sunny Italy. And and then he walked off to have some gelato. Yeah, because that's what everybody has. That's what you do. You speak in hypotheticals and you eat a lot of gelato. You speak in hypotheticals with your hand. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, you use your hands a lot. Um, Okay, so you're you do more of this type of work than I do. Dark club, so basically you need to be able to maintain a high shutter speed because you're photographing performance. So we're looking for a camera that has a very low noise ratio that will create some really good fidelity files that can print large. And is mirrorless in particular a solution? How do you get some of that weight off? Now, my first option is my first thought is to get a monopod to start with, just to make, take the weight off of you a little bit. Like, it's a, it's unobtrusive. You can get a small mm. one, a light one that's close to you. In a club. Yeah. In a club you're trying to blend in and you think? I think so. Yeah, just if you get a nice slick monopod, it's literally just right in front of you. It's not sticking the legs out. Yeah, because I'm saying I have a monopod and, like, I shoot weddings and I never use it because I always feel it's just too too big to carry around. Well, you're not too 60 much. yet, Boo You will be no, soon. That's though. true. The thing is, that the idea of that going, if you're going to go mirrorless now, especially when you look at what Nikon's got out, you look at what Sony's got out, you look at what Canon just came out with, there's no reason that you can't just get whatever the mirrorless option is for your preferred brand. I mean, doesn't Nikon have a mirrorless camera that's going to do everything he wants? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, I haven't seen the files, low noise ratio. I would certainly try to go full frame if I was going to go right. mirrorless. My options would be, and I know that I'm biased, but if you're looking to shed the weight and get really good low noise, I would say the EOS RP is pretty solid. And you could do, you could pair that with the adapter and like a um, 70 to 200 F4 L series lens. And that would, those are much lighter 
with than the uh, two eight are. So you could get really good zoom with a really really light camera compared. Yeah, to Yeah, but he's like not going to want to go to f four if he's shooting in low light. He's going to want that two point eight. Okay. Yeah, but with the Wait, high which means ISO, no matter what you get, the weight's really going to be in the lens. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could find a body like all of the mirrorless bodies are pretty light, so. Really, it's going to come down to the lens, and there's no such thing as a 2.8 lens that's not an absolute yeah. donkey to carry around. So <laughs> that's why I, I I ran all all that through my brain. I said that if if I really wanted to take the weight off my back, and I knew I had to have something substantial like that, I would I would have a monopod, absolutely, and I, it would take all the weight off of you. I would also look into um working with a smaller camera and a smaller lens and working closer to my subject. There's a, a guy whose name I don't know, but I, but he's it posts a lot of pictures in one of the forums that I'm in for my little Fuji X100V, my little, uh, the X100 line. And he shoots concerts with this camera that fits in your pocket, you know, the X100 line. And he produces amazing results with that camera at F2 and a crop, and a crop sensor, you know. And so I would, I mean, if weight's really a problem, I would start to look into what if you put a prime lens on it at f2 and just got up front. Yeah, I mean, you could put a, a 35 or a 24 millimeter. Those are very small by comparison to a lot of the telephoto yeah. lenses. But it's going to depend on the size of the club. Are we talking like a theater that seats 500 or a jazz club that seats 75 people? Well, he said it was a jazz club. So, you know, come on. I, I is, there a, still... is there a town that has 500 people that are willing to go see jazz at the same time? Yeah, it's in Italy. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to assume these are small clubs. There's like there's like the waitress, the bartender, and the clarinet player. That's pretty much it, and maybe four people. Jazz is a music that people say they like so that they can feel better than other yes. people. That's pretty much no one, what jazz. No one is. really no one, likes. No one really likes jazz. Jazz musicians don't even like it, no. but it makes them even more elite. You know, I you know I get confused by it because when you listen, I go, "Listen to this great, this great jazz trumpeter." And and look at how he, he works outside the melody. And I'm like, yeah, I work outside the melody too because I can't play. It sounds like he's playing it with his butt. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you know, I don't I don't hear what makes him so incredible. He's like, <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, okay, maybe you can play something I can hum. That'd be great. Yeah, it's jazz just keeps you, uh, you have to pay attention to jazz. It's not a music you can listen to casually because it moves fast and it's lots of changes. And sometimes it's like, you know, the 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 rhythm, uh, the time signatures are weird and it stops and starts and speeds up and slows down. So you can't just not pay attention to jazz. Jazz is a music that demands your attention. That is, of course, if you're talking about real jazz, good jazz. Yeah, like I think Charlie really good Parker. jazz. Yeah. I think great jazz, you don't have to pay attention to it. It's just soothing and beautiful and it makes you happy. If you have to really pay attention to it, then it's not good jazz. Now, I actually, funny enough, I really do like jazz, like Art Blakey, Charlie Parker, uh, Clifford Brown. I really do love certain jazz, but there's a, there's a limit, like latter-day Miles Davis. I, like, stop. I'm like, I can't. Yeah, it's that's just me. Too much. I mean, that's, that's who I was talking about, but I didn't want to say his name. Otherwise, the Miles Davis police would come to my house and kill me. Yeah, actually, never the Miles understood. David police have been defunded, funny enough. So, <laughs> Man, I've just never understood. You know. give, me, give me some take five. By you know Dave Brubaker, oh, you know get out. Get out. Or feel so good by Chuck Banjoni. Oh, yeah, I don't know about that. come on, that's a I mean, great right. song. You're leaving out. You're leaving so out the, the heaviest. We know hitter. these songs tells you that you know jazz can be pretty cool, but again, it has a melody, right? You can, you it sticks with you, and that's what makes me like you. You you can't talk about smooth jazz without mentioning the king of all smooth jazz. Kenny G. Kenny G. That's right. Who? And then you and <laughs> Kenny G. <Okay. laughs> I was watching a documentary the other day, and Kenny G. said, "You know, so with a grand." But according to Kenny G., his Christmas album is the best-selling Christmas album of all time on SoundScan. I wouldn't doubt it because you know people have bad taste and stuff. I'm just saying it's a Christmas album, and you can't sing. It's just nothing but you playing your flugelhorn. <laughs> he plays the soprano sax. Okay. Uh, or the alto sax maybe it's the soprano sax I, I think that the soprano sax is an instrument that should be outlawed however uh, because it's this, just the bass sound you can be the best soprano sax player in the world and I'll still want to hit you in the mouth with a sock full of nickels I just hate the way that instrument <laughs> sounds that, but, seems, that seems very violent it's a little excessive however I, we did see Kenny G at the Epcot Food Wine Festival like a year or two ago and he was great and uh, yeah. like the band was great they sounded fantastic 
And <laughs> I know I sound like I'm 100 years old. I'm in my 30s, okay? Uh, and Barely. Inter- fun- yeah, barely. Shut <laughs> he won't your be mouth. There. He won't be in his 30s much longer. Fun fact. Fun fact. Kenny G, when he performs, he plays the same soprano sax that he played in band, played with in band in high school. Oh, see, that's very cool. I love that fact. That's, just, that, I, I love that fact. That's fantastic. And his band, they've been playing together. It's the same guys. They've been playing together for almost 40 years. Oh, well, see, you got to respect that. Isn't that cool? I thought right. that was cool. Like, I'm not the, my kids actually loved Kenny G. They thought it was great. But, uh, you know, at the Epcot. Yeah, I got love. Got love. Thing. All right. Is it time? It's time. It's time for photography news. Photography, photography news. Photography news is brought to you by retouchup.com. Retouchup.com, no contracts, no minimums, no complications. If you go to retouchup.com, and you should, when you sign up for your account, be sure and put down Photobomb as the referral source. Because if you do that, you're going to get a special discount code on your first order. Yes, when you sign up, it asks you kind of how you heard about them, or, or, and you can, you can pick all kinds of things. But if you select Photobomb, you will get some free stuff. Here's an interesting use for retouchup.com that uh, I, I deal with all the time. And I used to have to come up with these really creative ways to fix it. In fact, I recently made a YouTube video about it in which is removing the, the glare and reflections from eyeglasses in photos. Oh, yeah, that I, is, I will admit I've never used them. for this. Yeah, I tell you, I, I, have, I have developed several different techniques over the years. And I made a YouTube video about it recently for my YouTube channel. And even in that video, I was like, yeah, you can always just send it to a retoucher and <laughs> save an hour and uh so now, yeah if you, you start are... the video with that like before i start this long video tutorial let me just tell you that you can ignore me and go to retouchup.com because that, that would be counterintuitive to the whole time and effort put into making the video yes exactly yeah it's, ironically, end, it's at the end right yeah i mean you know, it's somewhere in the middle uh, no toward the end <laughs> two-thirds of the way through um how, so you know i shoot a lot of volume or i did before the pandemic and in a you know, in that situation, you can't always move the lights around and get it perfect. And so uh, if you've just got a, a glare discoloration, uh, dude, I just sent it a retouch up now and like I'll, and, and they'll have it back to you in no time. And you'll be amazed at how perfect it will look for that that particular function. It's it's absolutely dead useful. I would not uh, sit and waste a day retouching these images myself or something like that. Well, the great thing about them is that they always try to do your request. Even if it's a crazy request, they will try to do it, and they have a money-back guarantee. So once again— Okay, so here's what you do with retouchup.com. Come up with a crazy request. Like, do you have <laughs> elaborately curly hair? Send a picture of yourself and ask them to make your hair look straight. Yeah. Just see what happens. <laughs> see what happens. And, you, and use the coupon code that you get from saying yeah. Photobomb's your referral Why service. And it's just, only going to cost you a couple of dollars. Why not? It's 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 and it's a money back guarantee. Money back That's guarantee. That's a horrible thing for us to say of a sponsor. <laughs> We're just setting them up now to get all these stupid things come in. But if that's what it takes to get you to try retouchup.com, it's worth it because they're absolutely fantastic. Ask them if they can Photoshop the mesh out of your swimsuit. There you go. Work on that. And they'll Don't send forget. it back to you. It's exactly Don't the forget. same image. Like your order has been completed. Don't forget to listen. And yeah, and like and like sixteen hours later at the most, it'll be there. You know, they're gonna <laughs> take a shot at it. They're gonna try. They're gonna, they're gonna try their best. And be sure and use Photobomb Podcast in the referral uh, space when you sign up for your account with retouchup.com. All right, what do you got this week? Wow, it is a first of all, in biggest photography news of all time. I yesterday I took shipment of my Canon EOS R5. Yes, you were giddy. You were practically just giddy with the text that you're. Cam- oh my god, this camera. Oh my god, this camera. Can does you this- can oh you tell god. giddiness from a text? Yes, from, from a, yes, from you. Yes, three texts <laughs> in a row that were just. Oh my god, the EVF is amazing. It's funny how much we how much time we've spent together and talking over the years. Is that now you can correctly convey tone yes. in my text? Yes, and that's not a not that's not nothing. And you've got mine down because pretty much every text I send you is snarky and bitter. Yeah, no, it's mostly just the thumbs up. I get that's ninety percent of our interaction is I write you four paragraphs and then you send me a thumb. Thumbs up. Not even the big thumb. You don't even take the time to hold uh, it down. No, and make I, a big I thumb. can't be bothered, Gary. Yeah. I can't be bothered. That's a lot of work. No, I don't even do that anymore because you once said to me, you said, "Why do you do that?" And I said, "To let you know I read it." And you said, "I can see that you read yeah, it." There's a scene. So yeah, now I don't even do that scene. anymore. Now I read it, and unless there's like a question for me. I just let it go because I know you can see that I read what you said and I'm not going to give you the thumbs up. Oh, no. I have evidence. Less than 24 hours ago, you sent me the default thumb. I can at least give me a big thumb. Let me know you care. You want the big you want the big thumb? What's two? I do want the big thumb. (laughs) I want your big thumb. I'm going to talk to the wife about that. 
Okay. So I've got the EOS R5 here. And let me tell you, I have barely used this thing. I made a video, not quite an unboxing video, just sort of the first impressions. Turned it on. I've started setting up some of the, my stuff in the menu. And dear God, this thing just so far is great. And we'll talk about some of the overheating issues and stuff like that. No problem. I have no problem addressing what isn't great about the camera. But overall, man, oh man, this thing is pretty. And the EVF, man, that the electronic viewfinder is, I had to look at it for a second to remember that it was a screen. It's so, so good. And that might be because I've been using the RP, which has a much lower resolution electronic oh, yeah. viewfinder. But looking through this, it's about, in a, in a mirrorless camera, it's about as close to not being an EVF as you can get. And so the screen is beautiful. It's beautifully built. Um, I've been setting up my menus and taking a few test pictures with it. And I took a, I took a photo at one second, handheld it at one second, and it's dead sharp. The IBIS is killer. I, I pra I've been practicing with some um, 4K C-log footage, just doing handheld moving shots and of just stuff around my desk. And the thing about a Stilks camera is, is they're typically, they're, they're so poorly built for video, for stability. Like if you think about cameras, cinema cameras, film cameras, camcorders, video, all, all from back in the day, everything's mounted on your shoulder, pressed up against your body. A Stilks camera is not really built for steady video. And so that's why you have to have all these rigs and, and gimbals and all these other things. I actually created some very smooth, really nice looking moving shots just sitting here in my chair filming stuff on my desk. It looks like I have a, a jib or a crane or something like it's very, very useful for stuff like that. And I can imagine this being a really good B-roll camera for filmmakers when they're like, let's get a quick sweep shot of this. And OK, I got to go get the rig and do the whole thing. So I just bust out the R5 and just just do the sweep it's 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 dynamite it's beautiful so far i'm i haven't uploaded anything to my computer as far as stills because i'm gonna have to like figure out how to make the make capture one read the raw files and i don't i don't know if i want to wade into that yet because the camera's so new but i am really really impressed with it so far it's just handles beautifully it, it just using it is effortless the joystick and the click wheel are back baby and it has Basically, it's better than my 5D Mark IV in every single way, probably except for battery life, I would right. say. Right. Well, that's to be, that's expected with all mirrorless cameras. And um, in addition to that, I've, you know, the, the, the eye autofocus is outrageously good. You've got the, you can use the screen as your, uh, as your autofocus point finder, just like on the other Canon mirrorless cameras, but you also have the option to use the joystick in addition to that. So you can do either way that suits you. You can program any of the buttons to pretty much do anything you want. So it's got all the benefits of, a, of the great mirrorless stuff with just the feel of a 5D Mark IV on steroids. I, I, I can't wait to use this thing more. I'm setting up a test shoot that I'm going to make a YouTube video for using my neighbor's kid as the model. And we're going to just really see what this thing can do as far as a portrait camera. And I'll be doing also some stuff on my YouTube channel for um, to show video footage. So do me a favor and I'll put a link in the description. Subscribe to my YouTube channel and you'll see a lot of stuff about the R5 over the next few weeks. But overall, I'm overjoyed with it. I'm concerned. The first real news story was about how the rumors going around now that Canon might be recalling the R5s because shipments of the second round have been delayed. Have you read that? Yes, I did. And I wondered if you'd experienced any overheating. I haven't pushed it yet. I've, I've only turned it on and played with it a little bit. So I've mostly been going through the menus, seeing what options are there and setting up my favorites menus and adjusting the camera for myself. Because one of the videos I'm planning to make is going to be how I set it up. And so I don't even know what options were available when I took it out of the right. box. So I've just been, I've spent the last hour, you know, an hour this morning, just going through the menus and just seeing what's even available. So it's got some really, really cool features and, um, I will be seeing if I can get it to overheat. There's just no doubt that it overheats. I mean, uh, independent reviewers have got this thing now, not just Canon ambassadors. And so it has overheating from what I can see in the 8K modes. It's got overheating in the downsampled 4K modes, which is 8K downsampled to 4K and 4K at 120 frames per second. And so basically those higher function modes will overheat uh, eventually, most of them at around sort of the just under the 30 minute mark of use. If you're using sort of the all-eye 4K or the uh, regular standard 4K, 
uh, you'll get full frame and those area those do not overheat but I'm not really going to be using those high function modes that much for the type of videos that I make so I won't have a problem with it but if a recall is uh, is a serious potential thing that's kind of a big deal and so I feel bad for anybody that pre-ordered what that might not get one till November because initially we had heard that they had all sold out the first run and production is obviously going to be down due to COVID-19 but that the the first production had sold out and the next shipment might not go out until November. And then that turned into Canon's delaying it until November and maybe there'll be a recall. And gosh, it'll be unfortunate and irritating as hell if that is the truth, um, if they do get recalled. However, if they're able to fix the overheating problem in that recall and I have to be without the camera for a couple of weeks and it comes back not overheating, or overheating less or giving me longer record times, I think that'll be a pretty solid issue. Even without those higher level 4K functions and 8K functions um, being unlimited, I, I'm still thrilled with what this camera can do, but I'd be fine if they were to be able to fix it. I think that I've read, watched a lot of videos and read a bunch of reviews about this. And one of the things that I'm getting is that a lot of the reviewers are saying that when you, when the camera says it's overheating and it has to shut down, that the camera isn't warm to the touch, the battery's not warm, the card's not warm, so it doesn't feel like there's hmm. a lot of heat on it. So there's potential that the firmware and the overheating manage, then the the firmware and this it, that's managing the overheating warnings and stuff like that might be overprotective. Like they might be able to back that off a little bit. Because I saw a couple of tests too where we're going to talk about the the Sony A7S III not overheating, but it will overheat in certain circumstances at those higher recording modes. But yes. Um, but I think that if they fixed it, that'd be great. If they don't, I'm not too bothered by it as it is, but I think that there's a good potential here that the firmware update will be able to alleviate some of it. And I've read also that they're coming out with a potential hardware solution, like an EF to RF lens adapter that has active cooling in it. But, you know, we'll see. I'm not, uh, I'm not primarily a video person. I'm excited about what this could do as a stills camera and happy to have the extra 4k full frame functionality. Finally. So, you know, I think that um, hopefully they'll fix it. If they do, I'm okay with it. It's annoying, yes, but um, if they fix it, that'd be cool. Well, the Sony AS, A7S III has been unveiled, and this is a video-centric camera. And it looks great. Right, 12-megabyte uh, sensor. Megapixel. And megapixel. I'm sorry, megapixel sensor, and uh, shoots 4K at 120p, and they're saying it has might have an overheating problem, which makes me think, is this the next, you know, is this the next thing, hill to be conquered? by the cameras is that now we're going to have a heat problem in the next three or four cameras that come out because as everyone pushes to have this very high-end video capability heat is now the new frontier we've got to figure out a way to get heat off these cameras well i was talking to um my friend john gress great photographer um also listens to the show hi john um he also got the r5 and we and he's doing a lot of stuff for his youtube channel i'll link to his youtube channel too. you check that out in the description of the show um and he and he is a great portrait photographer, but also does a lot of commercial video work. And so he uses the cinema line, the Canon cinema line, and he uses the 5D4 and other DSLRs as a B cam. And I was talking to him on the phone just this morning because we're sort of comparing notes on our um, experiences with the R5. And so he said, "I," he said, "I I don't ever look at the the mirrorless or the DSLR cameras as an A cam. He's like, these are B cam to me. He's like, if I was out shooting all day on something, he's like, I wouldn't be using one of these. And so my point was, yeah, but I understand that for commercial video production, but for run and gun wedding shooters who are doing wedding videos and stuff, they're definitely going to want, you know, something that's smaller and lighter than that C200 or the C500 Mark II or whatever they are. So, you know, um, it, it's a real thing, but you know, these, uh, camera companies are going to have to get pretty creative on how to fix these overheating problems if they want to push these to these incredibly high data rates without overheating. And Canon has been pretty upfront about it, but I think the backlash is like, I've seen some Canon unboxing videos for the R5 and inevitably in the first few comments, somebody always jumps in there and goes, did you have to put oven mitts on to open the box and stuff <laughs> like that? And like, yeah, okay. Sure. And so hopefully if they do recall, they'll fix it. But let's talk about the, the A7S 3 which I think um, I watched a few more than a couple of videos on this thing. And it's got some pretty clever little innovations. Have you looked at anything on this camera? Not really. Because it's video centric. It's and I just don't video -centric. I just don't pay that much attention to video. I'm a still shooter. No shooter is going to 
want to buy this camera i don't think it was primarily a still shooter however it's a great hybrid camera and i'm sure that the stills are beautiful but 12 megapixels just isn't up to the task for what most people are used to shooting right right that being said here's a couple of really cool innovations with the a7s3 the first is that it's got dual dual card slots which is interesting so it's got two card slots but each card slot can either take an sd card or a cf express type a card so they have uh the, the CF Express cards that all the other cameras use are say CFX Express <laughs> CF Express Type B. And the CF Express Type A are actually smaller than an SD card, but they have a higher data rate, but not as high as the CF Express Type B. So Sony has doubled down and they've decided that the CF Express Type A is going to be their card. So you can get a 64 gig card for about four hundred dollars. So that's great or whatever. Uh but and the card reader is an additional 100 bucks if you want that Sony card reader. But it is very cool that they found an interesting way to give you the option to use an SD card or a CF Express card in the same card slot. So it's kind yeah. of, a, it's really clever. I thought there's, I mean, there's some really, really cool things in this camera. I'll, uh, I'll link on the Facebook page, the DP review coverage of it, but it's a dynamite little camera. And there are lots of, um, you know, especially for the price, I think it was, what was the price on it? Like $1,500 or $2,000, something like that. It, it was very inexpensive. So as a full frame mirrorless production camera that you can use, you know, for running and gunning, it's, it's tough to beat. Sigma is releasing a new lens that will make you happy if you are a fan of the Sigma 85mm f1.4 art lens. This is, a, a from, what, from what I've been told, a wonderful, wonderful 85mm lens. They are now releasing a version for mirrorless cameras. So if you have made the jump to mirrorless and you had the Sigma when you were on the DSLR, congratulations, you can now get it again on the mirrorless camera. We don't know. We have no details on the lens yet. We haven't seen any photos or anything along those lines. But Sigma is going to release it. And I remember the first time I ever heard about Sigma as far as, I mean, I owned a Sigma lens, but, but the first time I ever heard people talking about Sigma where they were talking about Sigma the way they would talk about Canon or Nikon lenses, they were talking about a Sigma 85mm art lens. You know, they were saying they were saying this lens is as good as anything we or better as anything we've ever gotten from Canon and Nikon. So for mirrorless shooters, that's exciting to see what they're going to come up with, because if it's as good as what they've done in the past and it's cheaper, this becomes a very viable alternative for you if you're looking for an 85 millimeter prime for your. Mirrorless yeah, absolutely. System. Oh, as already, I'm going to pre-retract uh, the A7S three is thirty four hundred dollars. Not thirty four ninety eight. That's a mistake. big difference. I, yeah, I was uh, I was uh, thinking of something else, apparently. But the, uh, well, gosh, now that puts it into perspective, doesn't it? Uh, versus the something like the R6 for 2500 So uh, I have a question for you. We talked about investing on the show recently. Okay, yeah, did I'd you, love to Did invest. you by chance uh, happen to buy yourself any Kodak stock? I, you know, if you'd have told me to buy Kodak stock, I'd have laughed in your stupid <laughs> oh my face. God. But good Lord Almighty, oh, did they yes. have a rally this you, week. For those of you who have been following the story, Kodak traded about $2.62 on Monday. And then they got a loan from the U.S. government for six, uh, for $765 million. Billion. To use, no. Yeah, to use for producing Is it million? Uh, $765 million. Yeah, you're right. $765 million. That's more money. They got a loan for more money than the company's worth. All right. <laughs> okay. That, that's what they wild. got. Their stock went from $2.62 a share to uh, over $60 a share in like one day. The, the, the automatic systems that they have built into the stock market actually stopped trading on the stock 10 different times because it was shooting up so incredibly fast. And they eventually settled back down to the mid 30s. But still, you know, you're, you're looking at. 15 times your money if you if you bought it at $2.62 and it then it settled back in at 30 something you made 15 times your investment. Hmm. Yeah. That, that's Kodak. A, Kodak. That's a, that's a reasonable return, isn't it? Oh, I think that's quite reasonable. That's pretty good. Yeah. Thank you very uh, much. Just as a point of order I wanted to let you know that uh in the fine print Kodak has 25 years to pay the loan back to the federal government. Right. Um so they they do apparently have to pay it back unless they declare bankruptcy or something but Okay, so $765 million, if you had to pay that in a yearly, uh, if you really want to break it up so that you're a little more liquid, then you would only have to pay back $30,600,000 a year. That's if it's interest-free. Right, which it's 
Probably if it's not. Compound, if it's compounded interest like your mortgage, then instead of being $30 million a year, it would be like $400 million a year because that's the yeah. way your mortgage works. It'll be a billion dollars a year. Yeah. Uh, okay, I just wanted to break this down just in terms if you're going like, ah, I'm not really sure I had a monthly limit in mind or whatever. Like, you know, when you buy a car, I just need to stay under this payment. Just to give you an idea. You're, you're looking at about $25 million. Wait, hold on. Let's do the math. $2.5 million a month. That's their, that's their nut. That's their overhead that's their now. Nut. Just on that loan is $2.5 million a month. $2.5 million. Yeah. Nah, no, write a check. You'll be fine. Yeah, that's fine. Like, I could cover that, right? Yeah, I could cover that. I think that's, I got that in my couch, probably. Fuji announced something this uh, week that... Um, Two things this week. Love me some Fuji. Love me some Fuji. And so I apologize, but... Fuji is now going into the flash business. They've made flashes in the past, but they've never made a flash that really competed with the flashes that you would get from Canon or Nikon or Godox, and they are now doing that. They are making a flash with a revolving head, full TTL, can be used off-camera with a commander that you can be that can be bought separately. So basically, they are going into the business of making flashes for their cameras, just like Nikon does and just like Canon does. I have almost no real specifics on these flashes, uh, on this flash, and how good it's going to do, or how powerful it is, but I have the one specific that I really need, and that is the price. And the flash is four hundred dollars, and the commander is two hundred dollars. Now, when you compare that, say, to the top of the line Canon flash, which when it first started retailing, it was six hundred. You're like, hey, four hundred, great. Now we don't know if it's powerful, but you know, four hundred, great. But when you compare it to Say another popular brand that you and I use quite. Does a bit. it rhyme with Botox? <laughs> Four hundred dollars for the flash and two hundred dollars for the commander. When you can pick up a Godox flash for maybe two sixty five and a, and the commander for maybe seventy. You yeah. know, it's it's going to be a hard sell for a lot of people. I it's I, I feel like it's going to be one of those things that only the Fuji diehards. Are gonna yeah, buy. I'm I'm just really looking forward to the to the and. and I'm looking forward to the Fuji cultists, of which, look, I get it. They make great cameras. I'm not anti-Fuji. Fuji is is crushing it. Uh, but there are the people that are like ride-or-die Fuji homies. And right. the ride-or-die Fuji homies, um, how do you spell that? Ride-or-die Fuji homies are going to buy this, and they're going to defend it, like talk about how great it is and how worth it it is, almost yeah. like this sort of, and, and you just got to think, Why'd you do this, Fuji? Like they're 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 such a stay in their own lane and do what nobody else is doing type of camera company. They they have they have gone stayed away from full frame. They've rocked APS-C. They have gone into affordable, achievable medium format cameras. They've created some of the most iconic cameras of of the last you know ten years, and the most awarded. And they and it's just like, why not? They're they're like. I just don't understand why they're doing it now. The time to do this would have been 10 years ago when if you owned a Fuji camera, your choice for aftermarket flashes was pretty slim. Like, right? is this going to sell so much that it was, I mean, it must, they must have very smart people doing market analysis going, yeah, oh, obviously this is, this is going to make us an extra $50 million in Q4 or whatever. But it just doesn't seem like, I just don't think that that many people will take advantage of it when there are way more affordable options that are good. It's not just like you're buying the cheap, crappy one just because you can't afford the good one. There are right. inexpensive flashes that are great for Fuji now. Yeah, so I just think it's a little, it might be too little too late. You know, they just came into the game. If they had done it, if they had established the brand and, and gotten people into the brand back before companies like uh, like uh, Godox and like, what was the one I was using before I had Godox? It's also a great uh, flash. I forget the name of it now. Um, Bo- uh, Photix. Photix, yeah, Photix, great flashes as well. Um, if you had done it before those brands came along, fine. But now that you've got these other brands out there making great flashes for your cameras, uh, you know, you're not going to compete with that. You're not going to be able to beat them on price. Well, uh, one of the reasons that we talk about why we love to shoot Canon professionally, both you and I, is the professional service. Yes. And I know you have some thoughts on this. This week we heard that Fuji has introduced Fujifilm Professional Services, which yes. is... You know, like Nikon has professional services. Uh, Canon does. I, uh, Sony might. I don't know. Does Sony have? Sony? I don't know. Well, they might. And if they do, that's great. And now Fujifilm also has Fujifilm professional services. So your thoughts? Well, um, here's what you're going to get if you sign up for their professional services. You're going to get one year extended warranty on any new gear. 
purchased and registered in the qualifying membership year. You get two free check and cleans. Now, what do we have to pay? Don't we have to pay for a check and clean or do we get one free one with Canon? Um, I don't know. I pay for the hundred dollar gold membership or whatever, and I get a two free clean and checks with that. But I don't know what you get with the free CPA. Right. I have a gold membership as well. And I, and I think it's a hundred dollars and you get two free cleanings with that. You're yes. saying. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Um, you get 50% off, uh, an additional check. If you need it, check and clean, if you need it, you get 30% off expedited repairs, which you also get, uh, I think maybe 25 or 30% off with Canon. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. You get uh, two business day turnaround when available. Mm-hmm. Get that. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, you get repairs, uh, loaners. Yep. Canon does that too. Yep. Uh, and you get an interactive portal, Gary, for scheduling uh, services and uh, tracking your product history and so forth. So that's what you get with Fuji. So it sounds very similar to what you get with Canon. Uh, and here's where we start to run into a problem is that if you would like to sign up, you can sign up for the first year at a huge discount. The first year is only $200, which is double what Canon charges normally. Fuji says that in the future, signing up for this program will cost you $399. So $400 to join their special professional services program. $400 a year. Even Canon's platinum level, which is 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 $300, which is even yeah. more than that. Like you get yes. 50% off repairs. Yes. And they literally will come to your house, clean your camera and your kitchen. And they will cut the mesh out of your uh, yes, swim they will truck. cut the mesh out of your... I'm just saying, I mean, I, I don't want to be piling on Fuji today, but $400 a year for professional services, and you get two free cleanings and expedited repairs and 30% off. You get everything you get with Canon, but it's four times as expensive as their gold membership? Well, here, here's where I'm standing on this right now, is that I don't think that $400 is an unreasonable amount of money for this service. Okay. Um, I think that they could probably throw in a couple more cleans in there for you to make it worth it. But Canon sort of sets the gold standard for this as far as service and price. I doubt it's a huge moneymaker. It's more of like a let's keep, let's give people a reason to shoot Canon. And it right. sounds like, and Fuji's probably not as, their camera department might not be as big or as well-funded. So they might not be able to do it for as little money. Uh, I think that it's a, it's a fair price if Canon's CPS didn't exist. Yes, because I mean, when you think about it, you, they've got to, the camera's got to come in, they got to take it apart, they got to clean it, they got to put it back together. That takes time. It takes a qualified tech. That guy's got to be paid. Have you ever paid for a camera cleaning? Uh, I think I have, yeah, but I think I paid fifty bucks for it. Yeah, fifty bucks. I take it to the guy. There's a camera place down the uh, Kiwi Camera down the street from my house that they do great job cleaning. And in a pinch, I've I've taken it there. But yeah, it's but like that was 55, but that, but, 60 bucks to, okay, to have it cleaned. Right. So two okay. cleans is is you're already just for the two cleanings. Not to mention the loaner equipment for evaluation and not to mention the, you know, the other stuff. But like, I think Canon can afford to do it that inexpensively. Right, right, right. Because, uh, and that's just my guess. Because obviously I think that this is, this is a great program for Fuji to have. I think this is with more and more people switching to Fuji as their professional go-to cameras rather than just their enthusiast cameras and their travel cameras, you know, uh, this is a, something that you absolutely should offer. And, you know, We'll see. The market will control it. If nobody signs up, they're obviously going to have to either discontinue it or lower the price. The other thing you have to look at here is it might also be that they are laboring under the circumstances of their price model. Fuji's cameras are less expensive than just about everybody's cameras. And so as a result, like you said, Canon can afford to give away more stuff in professional services because they charge you more money when you buy the camera to begin with, right? But right. Fuji, since they're working much closer to margin, they have to make money on these sorts of deals like their Flash, for example, or their professional services, or else they can't provide it. You know, it's like when you, you buy a BMW, your friend has a BMW, and they're like, well, you know, every time I take it in for service, the service is free, and they fix everything up, and they take such great care of my car. And I'm like, yeah, but you also pay and twice as much money. And they cut the mesh out of my, my swim trucks. Yeah, they cut the mesh off. But you also, you pay twice as much money for that BMW as I did for my Ford. When I take my Ford in, I have to pay for the stuff that they do. But, right. you, know, you, you know, you're paying for that privilege. You're, you're just paying for it in a different area. So that, that may well be what's going on here. Canon's is cheaper. But if you own the gear necessary to get a gold membership to Canon, you own, what, $10,000 in gear probably? 
Yeah, I mean, I think there are different levels you qualify by. Right, but if you're gold, if you're gold level, because then I know to qualify for gold level, I had to have my Mark III, my Mark II, and two or three L-series lenses. And so that's like ten dollars to $15,000 worth of Canon gear in order to get that $100 service. You can't buy ten dollars to $15,000 worth of Fuji gear yeah. if you bought everything they make. I am the king of all cameras, bro. I mean, you just be covered yeah, in cameras. Because they, yeah. their gear is just too inexpensive for that. So yeah. when you look at it that way, you say, wow, it's so expensive compared to Canon. Hmm, yeah, so it's $400 a year instead of $100. Yeah, but you know, you saved $6,000 by building a Fuji kit. So yeah, that's... 10 years, you know, 12, 13 years of professional services that you're going to get, you know, the same price overall. So, you know, yeah, that's fair. I, I hope it works out for them because I'm, I'm really, I'm really would like to see more manufacturers offering really good, good service the way that, that Canon's reputation is. Yeah, good. I, uh, and if you are signing up for Fuji professional services, let us know. And uh, I, I can't wait to hear from uh, people and their experiences. With this. I know we know more than a few people who are Fuji shooters. And I'll be excited to see how that goes for them. And if it's, you know, if it's great service and it costs a little more, like you said, this is exactly the type of minute detail I can see you agonizing over when planning to buy a kit. You'd be like, well, um, so I'm comparing the cost <laughs> yeah. of the Canon kit and uh, the, the, you know, the professional service is more, but if you amortize that against the cost of the, you know, I can see you. Yes, this goes into the spreadsheet. All, it all goes into the spreadsheet and, and the big calculator with the handle. Do you wear one of those little green? I do. The little green cap and the garters on my arms to keep the sleeves up and the whole nine yards. That's great. All right. That's all I have for for photography news. Do you have anything else you'd like to share? No, uh, that's it. Hey, guys, by the way, um, just wanted to let everybody know. Boo-Ray has a YouTube channel. I have a YouTube channel. Links to those in the description. Check those out. Support us uh, through the YouTube channel if you don't already. And we really could use your reviews and uh, support the show. You know, we, uh, we have... A little bit of sponsorship here and there, but we really do this and produce this content for you guys. And what really helps us out if more people listen. So right in your app on your mobile device, you can go right into that podcast app and leave us a rating and a review. And we would love to hear from you. So go ahead and do that. Come on. We'll wait while you do it. It only takes a second. Join the fun and the conversation on Facebook. That's where it all happens. Facebook.com slash Photobomb Podcast is where you will find us and all the fans of the show talking about everything that we talk about here on the show. Also, our website is photobombpodcast.com. Gary's website is hughesfioretti.com. So it is. My website is blu-rayperry.com. And you can email us, questions at photobombpodcast.com. We'll see you back here next week. See you later.